Welcome to episode 16 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me this fine day is my co-host, Matt Mueller. Yay, yay. And we've uh, brought back our queen of anime herself, Megan Peters is in the building. I'm back. And we didn't just pull out Megan for for no good reason. Uh, We dusted her off, brought her back, because today we are going to be talking about the spring anime preview. We here at comicbook.com love some anime, and we got (laughs) some great stuff coming up this spring. So we're going to tell you guys a little bit about what you should be on the lookout for. We are also going to reveal what we learned when we visited the set of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the highly anticipated sequel to the Godzilla reboot and the setup for the epic Godzilla vs. Kong crossover film. We're also going to try to be civil as we get into (laughs) and debate one of the hottest topics Uh. about Avengers Endgame right now. You'll have to stick around. We'll tell you more about what that is. And we're going to let you know about some rants and raves, some things we've been checking out that you guys might want to check out or avoid, like The Plague, including a review of Jordan Peele's new horror thriller, Us. So we got a lot to get to. It's going to be great. Let's jump in. But before we do, if you want to subscribe to Comic Book Nation, remember that you can always find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or our RSS feed when we post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. And you can always follow us and get in touch with us at the hashtag comicbooknation on Twitter. So thank you guys who've been writing for us with us thus far. And to everybody new, welcome to Comic Book Nation and let's get into it. Mm-hmm. All right. So up first, like we said, we brought back our own queen of anime, Megan Peters. Mm. Who's going to talk to us a little bit about spring anime because there is some stuff to get excited for. We've been through kind of a slow period right now. Oof. Well, I mean, how we have Mob Psycho 100. Yeah, we have, I mean, <laughs> Mob Psycho is still holding it down, but for like us, you know, shonen boys like myself, there's been some big things missing from the pile for a while. We still got a couple things. We have Boil. I mean, I mean, I should probably retract that before the fandom comes and Oh, they're me coming. Apart. They're already here. Yeah, I know. They're already <laughs> at my doorstep because we have been held down by some good things like some unique good anime like uh, mm-hmm. Mob Psycho, Promise mm-hmm. Neverland's been keeping us ever- entertained. It's been going hard. Uh, Boruto's never stopped, even though it was boring as crap <laughs> in its latest arc. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, there are some exciting things on the horizon, thank goodness, mm-hmm. and some things that are definitely already getting fans upset. Yes. So let's oh, talk a little no. bit about that, Megan. Yes. So the anime spring season's coming. The April April begins it, so we're moving out of the dreary, dreary winter season, which is really great. Mob Psycho has been amazing, and I recommend anybody go back to watch that. But for the spring season, uh, we have a couple things to really look forward to. But if we're talking Shonen specifically, we have One Punch Man Season 2 just finally coming out after it went off in, like, 2015. It's been, like, four years, um, as well as the return of Attack on Titan Season 3. Its mid-season finale ended um, last year, went on a real long break, and it's yeah. been coming back. Um, I have a feeling... <laughs> Attack on Titan will be much nicer to watch than One Punch Man, which is a little bit disappointing because that season two trailer came out. One Punch Man is back, but it's not quite better than ever. Oh, it is. uh, Tell us a little bit, like, what happened, for everybody who doesn't know, so, like, One Punch Man is just... (laughs) Matt, Matt doesn't know. Matt, I am. I it's kind am of like a suit. It's almost like, I don't want to get ripped up for this, but it's almost like a Superman satire about mm-hmm. a really overpowered hero who can't get any satisfaction because mm-hmm. every time he fights, he literally like just makes somebody explode in one punch and he's mm-hmm. really bored with this. And it's kind of a loose mystery comedy about how he got this power. He thinks he's been doing this regimen of like a thousand sit ups and a thousand push ups and like 
calisthenics and stuff. But obviously yoga. there's some kind of deeper story there. Hot yoga, probably. Hot yoga, yeah. And like <laughs> Bikram yoga. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> but there's all these other, and there's a whole world of like kind of heroes and villains and this whole stuff that's slowly expanding. And the manga is really good. And the artwork has been kind of evolving while the anime has switched studios. And I mean, I just keep watching the gif of, of uh, Satima just not quite jumping off a cliff so much as just magically floating off a cliff yeah because they couldn't be bothered to animate is there only one season yeah so Uh, so far season so far there's one season and the first season was handled by madhouse and so a lot of people are trying to shift the blame on uh madhouse you know giving up the anime season to jc staff which is currently the production studio in charge uh the real issue when you look kind of at the animation the industry behind it is Really, the, the the core issue is it lost most of its animation staff, which isn't necessarily tied to a studio. There's not really kind of exclusive contracts there. Um, the problem is the season one director, Shingo Natsumi, uh, he's currently w- working on an anime known as Boogie Pop, <laughs> which is hilarious. I love the name. A uh, great name. <laughs> great Quality name. is okay. so-so. Um, oh, so he decided he wants to keep working on that. It's his kind of like baby project. They had to get a new director for season two. The director just didn't have the contacts needed to make season two look and as it's great so immediately. Crazy, like immediately. It's been so long, right? And I feel like this is going to be the Tokyo Ghoul season two of the new Tokyo Ghoul season two. That's a, little, that's a bit controversial. Tokyo Ghoul sucked from the start, <laughs> but wow. there there is hope uh, today. Some of the animators who are currently working on season two are saying, you know, this was a rough cut. This is why the trailer did take so long to come out. Um, you know, please kind of anticipate the animation getting better as the seasons go on. So from what we understand. And a lot of what we saw in that first trailer is from the very first episode and probably from like the beginnings of it. So it might not be as bad as we thought. Um, Fandom's really not on its side right now, though. Yeah, no. If you go on Twitter and just search One Punch Man, whoo. I mean, is that how it typically is with anime, though? Like where we have with superhero trailers, right? The CG improves as time goes on. Is, sometimes, it, is it typically like that here? Sometimes, but this sounds more like damage control okay. because you can usually get an overall sense Mm-hmm. of the quality level of animation, even if you're watching rough cuts. Even if you're just watching little sketches draw, dance across the screen, you can usually get a sense okay. of mm-hmm. what level of skill and detail the animators have or not. Yeah, a lot of this is coming down to just poor production scheduling on JC Staff's part. Well, so. that's going to be disappointing. So uh, Fingers crossed. Let's talk about, I want to talk about the thing that I'm most excited about that we've been waiting for, Dragon Ball Super. LOL. There's so much drama with Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, what's going, going on? on? Like, I hear, like, it's, is it coming back? Is it not coming back? Because the <sighs> anime stopped at, like, this really hyped point when the series has been more popular than ever. Mm-hmm. Then it just launched into this movie, the Broly movie, which is more popular than any other Dragon Ball movie. Mm-hmm. The manga and some of the other auxiliary th- parts of the franchise, like the promo anime for Dragon Ball Heroes, are getting into these crazy epic storylines, mm-hmm. and we're all just sitting here like, okay, but what about like the main canon series, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, Dragon Ball Super anime, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's been all over the place. We heard it was coming soon, then we heard it was might not even come this year, now yes. it's coming back. Yes, it is the great will it, won't it of 2019 already, basically, for anime, is will Dragon Ball Super come back? Uh, the issue just kind of popped up recently when um, a couple of well-known voices uh, within the anime community who are known for kind of getting insider information, Yonko Productions, Ginkta, uh, you know, these people, they were able to release, you know, a report on their channel saying that 
this series would be coming back, uh, would be coming back likely in summer of this year with, you know, an announcement coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, very shortly after that report went up, within 24 hours, Toei Animation, which is the production company behind Dragon Ball, just quickly was saying, you know, and then oh, no. you should kind of <laughs> hold your horses. That's probably not the case. Uh, so they had representatives from Toei Animation kind of put out a denial for that. Um, so now it's the great... Will they, won't they? All signs have been pointing to, yes, Dragon Ball Super will be coming back. It has made billions, billions of dollars in Japan. It makes more money than Gundam, which is ridiculous because Gundam might not have the anime kind of power it used to, but those Gunplug kits of building those models are still super expensive. I don't know anything so. about anime, and I know what Gundam kits are. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. That's the, yeah. I'm, who I'm knows who Goku subject. is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it is more popular than ever, internationally speaking. The Broly movie made well over $100 million internationally. It was yeah. the highest grossing Dragon Ball movie by a long shot to come out. Um, so also, what do you think the holdup is then? The like, holdup, honestly, I believe is just timing. This is also the 20th anniversary year for One Piece, which is Toei Animation's um, kind of their top series. And so I think they're really wanting to focus attention on that. They have a movie that's coming out. Um, I couldn't say if it's coming back or not. I really hope it is because they have an amazing manga art coming out currently that's ongoing um, that Akira Toriyama, the creator of the franchise, is really heavily invested in with um, some great artwork and an even better villain who's just like a literal goat. Yeah, he is both literal. the goat and How long was the gap goat. between Z and Super? It was a long... I mean, like you're, you're missing an entire whole series. Yeah. Like GT. I mean, oh, well, right, GT. So, so I guess yeah. from GT to Super... I mean, there was a gap of like, like 15, yeah. 16 yeah. years. I feel. It, was, it was a long... You're basically break. talking about what happened to the rest of society. Like, yeah. the 90s ended with something cool. Then the 2000s were hella confused. <laughs> and then the 2010s, they got it together. Yeah, so yeah, the production the production period for the original Dragon Ball Super TV series was really short because it was coming off the films. Um, so people are really hoping to, the the holdup, like Matt asked, is they're hoping beyond hope. It's because they realize the kind of money they can invest and get out of Dragon Ball Super if they do it right, which like, is still probably. like on the top ten domestic. Oh, it's still number uh, one. It was number one for anime releases, but I think Dragon Ball Super is still on the top 10 for domestic releases this year. Yeah, it's uh, still... It'll probably, not for, probably for another week, it'll probably well, drop off, but... Yeah, soon enough, crazy. Avengers is going to yep. come in and get somewhere I don't want to go but. down a giant rabbit hole, but as someone who, um, you know, speaking from someone who's not real acquainted with the series, is Super something you can, a new person can hop into just from the beginning of Super? Do they you need don't even to go have to back? Go, you don't yeah. have to really go from the beginning. If you've watched Z, I mean, you can jump in. I mean, the first arc would introduce you to the overall kind of different concepts that super introduces which is it's just another level it's gods god energy stuff like that yeah so you can get all of that if you want you don't have to i mean you can watch man megan always says you can watch two films battle of gods and resurrection f which brings frieza back like one of the series main villains mm-hmm. and you can watch those if you have any kind of dragon ball z knowledge really i mean mm-hmm. you can jump into the third arc the future trunks arc if you just saw dragon ball z mm-hmm. you don't okay. need to really know because that it changes up like a lot. Like the first two were kind of rushed. They're based on movies. Future Trunks is like this long mystery that starts off and gets real head trippy. Mm-hmm. And then after, or no, I'm sorry, I skipped the tournament of destruction. But then it's just a straight up tournament. It's either Dragon Ball Super is either a bunch of people fighting in a huge tournament, and it's just like how many cool characters are fighting each other in this tournament, or there's like a long Back to the Future sci-fi mystery in the Future okay. Trunks saga. 
which you basically just have to sit down and watch that, and still going to screw you up because even if you know everything about Dragon Ball, that's confusing as hell. Okay. Yeah. But uh, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you jump into just like the Tournament of Destruction, I mean, you could really get the best out of it if you just watch the Tournament of Destruction and then it's sequel, the Tournament of Power. Okay. Yeah, minimal research, I'd say, would be required for any of them, even if you started at Dragon Ball. Um, you're going to have to do a little bit of research on everything. I would say Dragon Ball Super is probably one of the more, maybe the most accessible anime yeah. because it does a really good job at blending the action sequences that you would get from Dragon Ball Z that it became famous for, like the 12-year fight Goku had with Frieza. Um, but it also manages to kind of blend in the humor and the comedy that manifested itself in the original Dragon Ball anime when Goku was a little kid. Because oh, okay. a lot of people forget, but Dragon Ball started off as primarily like a comedy shonen. It was only kind of once uh, we hit that first tournament in Dragon Ball and people realized how much uh, fighting does well <laughs> for shonen that it really <laughs> kind of started to shift focus. So Dragon Ball yeah. Super does a really good job at blending those. And finally, just to wrap this up, um, I'm excited. Attack on Titan's coming back and it's going to have a hell of good story arc that's oh, yeah. going to get really crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to butcher the name of the district they're going into. Jianshina. Yeah. But that whole story arc, if you've read the manga, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yes. There's going to be some, not only are we going to get more awesome human on human violence, which season three has pretty much been, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to see some of these uh, specialty Titans rumbling and that's going to be, Mm-hmm. Really awesome. Yeah, so if you're a big fan of the whole uh, big monsters fighting one another, Attack on Titan is really going to pull through, kind of move away from the politics that we saw in the first half of the season and really kind of move into like full-on, yeah. full-scale epic yeah. This is the action bits. Yeah, the action so. bit is coming up starting in April. So, All right, so sounds like we got some good stuff. If you're an anime fan, you are in for a good spring. And if you're not, there's a good time to hop on. So... If you have any more questions, you can always find Megan Peters, Queen of Anime Online. She knows just about everything about this. So check it out. Moving right along, we're not going to go too far from the Far East because we're going to hop and skip from anime over to Kaiju and uh, the Toho legacy with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mm. So I was on set for Godzilla, King of the Monsters uh, way back, a day before my birthday, August 8th, 2017, Uh, which happened to also be, ironically, I don't know if they planned this or just worked out, but uh, the day in between the two atomic bombs that hit Hiroshima and then Nagasaki, which was kind of ever-present while we were doing this set interview. Kyle Chandler (laughs) went on a whole tirade about it. But we went out to Atlanta to this huge facility. I think, I forget the exact number. It's in our set visit report, which is now up on comicbook.com. But it was a facility that was like 300,000 square feet, I believe, and they had just turned this entire factory, old warehouse facility into different parts of the planet that had been, like, ravaged. And, I mean, they built these. Like, you went outside in the yard, there was a thing like an oil tanker destruction or something, and it was, like, physically, they had built this entire destroyed landscape, like, with real trash, just, like, throwing all this crazy stuff and spraying and gluing it down and, like, but making it, like, Godzilla had just... Or one of these monsters that just like walked through an oil refinery and like what you could do, mm-hmm. and they couldn't show us everything because there were too many spoilers. But they drove us around these carts on these like twenty-minute circular drives to just show us things and like they were building yeah. and how much practical effects and sets were going into this. And it was nuts. It was it was by far the biggest kind of scale movie I've seen in one stage or like facility being yeah. housed. And yeah, it was nuts. Um, we went there. We got to see a basic scene, which was basically in Monarch. This place, one of the main sets is a place called Outpost 32, 
which has its own um, references, I think, to John Carpenter's thing and like other stuff. And it's an undersea base in the Arctic where they have this heavily fortified base. Um, and they're also each monarch base in this. Okay, the whole premise changes. Like after Godzilla, now monarch is basically shield of this monster universe. And they have all these resources and they get all this money after the whole Godzilla Muto attack. And they locate these things called Titans and they contain them and build these bases over as containment spots. And the Arctic base, of course, is housing this giant three-headed dragon who we know is King Ghidorah uh, in the ice. And the basic premise of the movie is there's a character played by Game of Thrones actor Charles Dance who is like this anarchist who wants to kind of bring about something with the Titans and kind of change the world in these very kind of violent ways. And he kidnaps Vera Farmiga's character and her daughter, Millie Bobby Brown, as they're kind of studying uh, Mothra and it's going into its chrysalis stage as this huge larva and they're kind of, and Vera Farmiga's character has figured out how to communicate with these Titans using this uh, Orca thing called Orca, this machine. So she gets kidnapped by this group to kind of use that for their own ends and it kicks off this whole kind of thing where Monarch is trying to launch this rescue mission. And they wouldn't tell us more than that, but the premise that I kind of maybe got into speculative is that like Charles Dance's character is using this technology to cause more Titans to awaken and kind of go ballistic, like Rodan, like Mothra, like eventually King Ghidorah. And then Monarch is trying to like race after them, stop them, contain the Titans, and rescue Vera Farmiga, and it's a split within the team because this is like a team of scientists, which is a really cool kind of concept. Like Mike Doherty, the director who did Trick and Treat, he was like kind of really emphasizing how he wanted to be like a scientist, kick ass scientist team. Yeah. And they have a team called G Team backing them up, where they're these elite soldiers, where you get like O'Shea Jackson from Straight Out of Compton and stuff. But yeah, so this is within the scientific community, they can't agree what to do with the Titans. Some of them want to kill them all. Vera Farmiga like wants to save them all and cuddle them or whatever. <laughs> like, and you know, G team's just trying to handle all this in the yeah. middle and do that. And so it was a very interesting dynamic to that. And just seeing the scene we saw was all of them sitting around this kind of war table, all the various, there's a huge ensemble cast, a lot more people than you probably think are in this movie. And you kind of just see them. And we saw Kyle Chandler, um, Bradley Whitford, um, Thomas Middlechurch from Silicon Valley, Zhang Zi, um, Oh, what's his name? Chow Young Fat uh, and, and Sally Hawkins really? are coming back. Yeah, because they're coming yeah. back from their uh, – not Chow Young Fat. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's oh why you were like, yeah. what? No, I don't know why I just did that. I'm so I was stupid. very excited, though. Uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> guy from Inception and, uh, and from the, the first Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, he's from the first Godzilla. Yeah, I forget, I, his, I name. forget his name, but yeah. Anyway, no, you're about. oh man, we were really flubbing that. But I was so excited. I was no, like, no, what? That was <laughs> all of us. No, that, that was like a big flub. No, that was not Chow Young Fat. Um. Yeah, I'm just blanking on his name right now. Let them fight. That guy, he's yeah. coming back. So, like, they were all there. And, like, yeah, they're planning on just what to do about these mutos and, or titans, and they can't figure it out. And Kyle Chandler is the one who's intense because he's, like, he's, they've taken, like, my wife and daughter. Like, that's my focus. I don't care about these titans. But, yeah, um, we had great interviews, and it was a great day seeing the sets, but I told you guys I was ranting and raving for years now. We got to go to the production office and see the concept art which revealed a lot of what you've already seen in trailers, but also a lot of things you haven't seen yet, like specific sequences and set pieces and drawing them out and seeing those, which were just freaking awesome. And there's like, there's one I want to see, which is the climactic fight 
which I don't want to spoil anything because we've seen something they have not released this image yet, and we were just yelling at them that should be a poster. But there's something that could happen in the end of this movie that would be really epic and just kind of throw fans for a loop. And if you're a fan of the classic MonsterVerse, like it's pretty freaking awesome. And also there's a sequence with Rodan when Rodan emerges where it's kind of like a rescue slash chase scene where Monarch basically has to fly into what we were told is Antigua. Antigua. I don't know if it'll be the same setting, if it's Mexico or somewhere. But they have to fly in, rescue all these people off a dock as Rodan is breaking out of this volcano and the volcano is then going to wipe out this town and they have to get them all in basically what is like the X-Men's Blackbird and get the hell out of there. And then this giant bird starts chasing them in an aerial chase. And <laughs> it, so the cool. artwork is just like, it was awesome. It was like a comic book panel where you just see like the plane at the forefront, like angled, like trying to zip away and you just see this huge monster bird, like right behind it. Hmm. Like, and you're just like, Oh crap. Like things like that. I'm so psyched. I hope we get a final trailer before this comes out. Hmm. But if you had hangups about Godzilla and the first one and the human story getting in the way and all that, don't worry. This movie is going to fix that problem. So I'm real psyched. How are you guys feeling about this? I'm jonesing. I, I was jonesing when <laughs> you got back because I remember when you came back and I was like, tell me, tell me, tell me. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, give me all the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed uh, the first Godzilla. I mean, it has like a couple things, like yeah. you said, like the slower pace and some of the characters that, you know, the importance. But overall, I really loved it. I fell in love with this universe actually with Kong. Yeah, uh, Skull Island, Island is, really is what really too. brought me in. And ever since then, I've been just jonesing. I'm yeah, jonesing for I the next so one. I was so surprised by Kong, mm-hmm. Skull Island, and how enjoyable of a movie that was. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, like, it's like a little B movie, but it's so it's damn so enjoyable. It's so good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm over here the Japan queen <laughs> for a comic book. Uh, I grew up on Godzilla. Godzilla, they are my children. All of the kaijus. <laughs> I I tell that everyone at work, these are my small children, but they're bigger than me. <laughs> I am so excited uh, to see kind of where they're going to take this. Um, as someone who's seen all, I'm pretty sure, if not most of the Toho films uh, from way back, uh, seeing all the kind of illusions we've gotten with the trailers so far. Um, and most importantly, just to see how in love the director Mike Doherty is with oh, the yeah. original he Godzilla is, series. He's a deep dive fan. I mean, this like movie me and is him could co-parent Godzilla and I'd with, be yeah. fine with it. He's loaded with Easter eggs in this movie. I mean, they're going to so be little cameo references. They may not be full appearances, but other famous mm-hmm. kaiju from the Toho series will probably be making showing up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of Easter egg references in just Outpost 32. Mm-hmm. The set alone mm-hmm. had like oh my God, just a board of them tracking different Titans were all these references. Kong was one of them. There's one that might be Jaws. Like there's oh my gosh. all if kinds I see of Deegan, crazy I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, there's a hint that like Bradley Whitford character is actually Rick from Rick and Morty. He's a white-haired <laughs> scientist who loves to drink all the time and oh is very God. acerbic. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like his whole character. I just love Whitford anyway. And it's just mm-hmm. like the whole movie is littered with all these crazy Easter eggs from everything from like Aliens, The Thing, Jaws, uh, Toho, Rick and Morty, it's crazy. And so, like, he is a real fan, and, like, you could tell the passion he had for it when we talked to him, which was very, very, like, reassuring. Mm-hmm. So, it's I'm psyched. Good. All right, Godzilla. You can see our full set report from Godzilla, King of the Monsters, on comicbook.com now in our anime section. So be sure to check that out. We have a lot of juicy details that we got from the set visit. All right, stay tuned, because when we get back, we are going to, like I said, as I teased, we are going to try to talk our way through one of the most hot-button issues 
of Avengers oh. Endgame and also give you our Rant and Raves picks so that you guys can kind of mull this over and maybe expand your viewership or readership a little bit. So stay tuned. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so here's what we're talking about. There's a hot button issue in Avengers Endgame. It's torn our office apart. We had screaming twice, matches. Twice. Oh, twice. Twice. We've People had have stood up and just yelled. Yeah, we've been screaming at each other in this office about this. Uh. Matt here threw a grenade in the room with his <laughs> hate and ass article, but like that was uh, producer the, topic, Jeff the topic that we're talking about is now that the Fox-Disney deal is done, should Avengers Endgame include some kind of post-credit button scene that in some way teases the arrival of the Fantastic Four or X-Men in the MCU. Now, we're just going to go through orderly, and we're each going to give our opinion. Also, to be fair, the article specifically, I was just talking about X-Men. Yeah, to mm-hmm. be just talking about I wasn't X-Men. talking about Fantastic okay. Four. Oh, why? Yeah. Your, was your mind changed if it was Fantastic Four? No, I just don't care about them. Okay. <laughs> I care about the X-Men. All you right. See, this is why... You insulted me. Okay, you're so inviting I, more I, I, I don't care. I didn't say you should care. I said Civil. I, yeah. I have honestly... Hold on. All right, let's back it up. So, <laughs> so attacked right now. I'm going to go first real quick and just say this. My whole point in this, uh, and if you don't under, okay, we'll just say Matt wrote an article saying basically they should not do this because it would be rushed, and you don't want a shoehorned rushed scene. You want a proper pacing. Yes, and you're not alone. Like we thought you surprised. were all crazy. A lot of us turned on you in the office. <laughs> yes, and we went out to we took it to the internet because after rounds of screaming, we were just done. And the internet is split, like violently split, just like this office. <laughs> Half the Marvel fans are like, don't rush it. We finally got it. We can take our time with it. And everybody's like, they're here. Let's do it. Like, let's, let's have this happen. My only point, I am for the I would like to see it happen. And my only point is this. A button scene, by its definition, is just a tiny little tease of something much bigger Usually it's so esoteric that half the theater might not even reference or get the reference if they're not hardcore fans. So there are so many ways to approach this that you don't have to worry about rights or anything. And I think one of my ideas is like, if in Endgame, we don't have no idea how Endgame is going to end, but if it ends and there's Earth is restored or, or just kind of put together, back together in some way, you would basically just be able to do something like uh, a series of radio broadcasts or something from a shot outside the planet to let you know what the MCU sounds like with all this life back in it, and now you're hearing Easter egg broadcast mentions of Latveria, or something happened in Grey Malkin Lane, or something happened in a facility, a military facility in Canada border where a bunch of people were slaughtered by what looked like an animal. Like, all that stuff is mm. great references you could fit in to fans, would, hardcore fans would know, 
and recognize, and you wouldn't have to address it again, just like Thanos, for a long time, because it's just a snapshot of a larger MCU. Um, it kind of brings us full circle back to how Iron Man first opened up the MCU, and it's possible to do something like that. So that was my only point. I don't want something like a half-ass Professor X shot from the floor, uh, like floor Which up to the neck. Which is an idea that has been floated yeah, around. It has been floated around here quite often. Like, yes. Um, but like there are ways around it. So that was my only point and for why I think you could because it would get the hardcore fans really hyped and it's possible. Now, mm-hmm. so, so okay. So one, there's a full article about, because I, I wrote, it was like 600 words or something. So it's hard to like boil that down to like one thing. You're on the mic. Find a However, way. <laughs> what I will say is I don't disagree with you on a, on a few fronts. I don't disagree with you that they can do it. I don't disagree with you that some of those things you mentioned would be fun. They'd be cool. And I even say in an article, if there's a, you see the school for gifted youngsters, or you hear some radio broadcast, I'm like any comic mark. I will smile and go like, oh, that's, that's nice. However, for what I also look at that is, and, and I agree with you as for what a definition of a button scene is. I totally get that. That makes sense. I think our fundamental disagreement is that I don't want that. Whether that means they have to change some things and how they approach those end credit scenes. Okay. I want something different for something that has been waited for so long. Not because they just chose not to feature a character. It was literally off limits. You couldn't have them. You can't touch these entire list of characters that I grew up with and have wanted to see treated the right way. So I want this really badly. It's not for not wanting one. It's the fact that they just got them. I know they have contingency plans. I know they have all this. But they also have a lot of other stuff on their plate. I would rather them take a step back, do it, have some extra time, do something really cool and different and right by these characters. I don't want just a quick nod. Those are great Easter eggs, and I get it. But I want, like, I want people introduced like, an awesome scene would be to actually meet a character that is fully cast, is going to be that character for the next 10 years, and see him introduced. And a proper Xavier, I'm Charles Xavier, and we actually get a little bit more than just, hey, I walk into a room, and I'm there. Hey, guys, celebrate. But that's, I double, want lines. that's such a double-edged sword, because can you pull that off and keep I don't it know. secret? I, I, I don't know. But that's, in my brain... I want that. So whether that can be classified as button seat, maybe it can't. Maybe they do something different. But that's what I'm looking for. And the typical Easter egg quality of, hey, here's the thing, react. I don't, this is huge for me. Like, this is a big deal. Fantastic Four, you can do it. Because for me, I've never, they've never been my jam. And the other people like Megan are huge fans of them. I totally get it. I'm not disavowing anybody's fandom. But what I am saying, they just never clicked for me. So X-Men, kind of a special place in the heart. I really want something different. But if you're not going to introduce the X-Men on a stage mm-hmm. with the like potential eyeballs that you're going to get from Endgame, mm-hmm. then when do you do it that you I don't know. that big of a splash? And if I don't it's going to make big news anyway. Yeah, but right. Like, I, there, the you don't need it. But the potential for someone like my mom who has no idea that Fox owns the X-Men and that it's a big deal or yeah. whatnot, but knows that like if the X-Men are meeting up with Captain America, like she knows that's a big deal. Yeah. And so like... That's the time you. But do there it. are going to be other, you know, Avengers level style of movies. Not Endgame for a while. That's that's a ways off. But other Avengers style movies, they're huge in their own right, and you need something to sell on those. And if no, you put this with, not only get, get you bogged down, X Men, you're going to put the X Men at the end of Eternals. 
Like, I'm saying I wow. want them to have time to figure Hot it out. Take. Producer <laughs> Jim Viscardi is getting full P. Diddy, but we're not going to get too deep into this. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to Same. take Megan's. We're not going to get too deep into this. Um, there are, I mean, we're not going to argue because there are a number of ways you could do it. You could trail out X-Men characters one at a time in different franchises. Yeah. You could, you could, like, I mean, there's a million ways. This is just about the should. I mean, it's not even a could anymore. It's a should no, that. They can't do it. It's not a matter of. Let's go to Megan in here. Mm-hmm. Let's see if she can bring some common sense sense, as <laughs> my friend Robert once said. Oh, boy. I will just, I'll keep it, I'll keep it short and sweet because I, I see both sides of the argument. I am of the, the set that I would like um, a little something, even if it's just the littlest something. I don't want it to be something as, you know, kind of quick as maybe, um, you know, a headline that we see or, you know, driving past, you know, the school for gifted youngsters or the Baxter building or something. Um, I would just want it to just kind of be something that maybe they can like lay ground really quickly in end game that even maybe, uh, I mean, we'll notice it because we're comicbook.com, but <laughs> for most people to not get it, what I personally really want, and this is just where I'm going to end it is I just want Johnny Storm to somehow fit into Far From Home. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just want it. I just want it so much. Like, it was just like a little, little reference. That's all I want. And that's it. That's all for me. All right. Really like We're going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Megan the has a very positive me. wish and hope she wants, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to get on a high note. You guys, we're not going to get too deep into this. Like we said, we've already torn our office apart and, you know, shattered friendships and whatnot. Let us know what you guys think. Should they include a reference to the X-Men and Fantastic Four being the MCU as part of the end credit scene of Avengers Endgame? Let us know, number one, if you think they should, and number two, how you think they should do it. Hit us up, hashtag comic book nation. All right, we're going to move on to our final segment today, which is Rants and Raves, uh, one of my favorite segments from that old show I legally never mentioned, but... We brought it back to this one, and it's a chance for us to rant and or rave about something in media we've been checking out and want to share with you guys, either to share it with you in a positive way to say, yo, join in on this, or tell you, like, not worth your time. I'm going to go first, uh, just because I host, but uh, I'm going to start with a review of Jordan Peele's Us, the highly anticipated horror thriller that is uh, hitting theaters by the time you hear my voice. And is going to be causing, I'm going to tell you right now, is going to be causing quite a stir of discussion. And I'll say this. This is a hard movie to talk about. We have a video review where I managed to muddle through talking about it without spoiling on comicbook.com and a written review. You can check out for the full detailed, which is also non-spoiler. But it is a very, and I think if you look around, it is a hard movie to talk about without spoilers. Because just dropping in little details or even talking about little scenes will maybe begin to affect how a person understands what the movie is versus what they've seen in trailers. Cause they're not quite the same thing. Uh, us, if you don't know is about is a follow up to Jordan Peele's Oscar winning get out. And it's about this family that is going on a vacation in Santa Cruz and the mother played by Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o, who is fantastic in this movie, like awards worthy, fantastic. She begins to get notice all these weird coincidences happening and this feeling of dread until one night, they find there's this weird group of people in red jumpsuits standing in their driveway, and it turns out they get home invaded by these home invaders that are exact doppelgangers of them with these very twisted horror personas. And it begins... The first half of the movie is essentially about that, what you saw in the trailer. Family meets these weird copies of themselves, get trapped in their home, and have to kind of figure out how to escape because the doppelgangers are each assigned. They have to kind of 
sadistically torture and kill their others and kind of replace them. So the family members get broken up and they have to kind of do this whole thing about surviving. But then it becomes a much larger story and it opens the doors to what Jordan Peele is really doing. And unlike Get Out, this isn't like easy packaged social commentary or metaphor. It's not like, here's what the me- what it is, like clearly. There is so much at work in us that it just messes with your mind after you see it. There are some big twists, some big reveals, and the ending basically, it's an ending in a kind of movie where you watch it the first time and you get to the end and you realize you didn't really understand what the hell you just saw the first time. Mm -hmm. And it's this weird, brilliant effect of the movie, I think, because it's very intentional in the sense that Jordan Peele essentially makes you watch this as like one version of yourself. Then you get to the end and you have to consider all the pieces and how they fit together really and then you go back and you watch it and you're not going to be the same viewer when you go back. You're essentially like a doppelganger almost. Mm. And you're kind of taking these two perspectives, your original perspective and then this doppelganger perspective on the same movie. And it's really kind of a head trip. But it is great in the sense that Jordan Peele establishes that he is a, a, an auteur in the sense that he builds a world. It is uniquely his. It's a mix of kind of like hip-hop culture, social commentary, classic great like horror thriller tropes, and offbeat comedy that is, you know, we saw in, like, in Get Out with Lil Rel's character. In this movie, is played, uh, the comedy is carried by Winston Duke Umbaku from Black Panther, who plays this very affable suburban dad type um, and is Lupita Nyong'o's husband, and he's hilarious. I mean, Winston Duke is a star. If you couldn't tell after Black I mean, Panther, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, he's just really a star. And like I said, Lupita Nyong'o carries this movie not once but twice on those tiny shoulders, and she is just phenomenal playing both of these characters. And when you get to the end of the film and you realize the full story, you realize the complexity, especially for her more than anybody, because like her doppelganger is like one of is like the featured one, right? So. Yeah, the subtlety she had to put together to play these two roles and how complicated they are and, com- and like all the things she had to do to make them both work, it's nuts. And you could watch it just as a one-woman show, but everybody's great. The kids are great. The premise is great. And I like that Us makes you really just messes your head up because it's simple. If you're just a regular horror fan and you like just scares and thrills, it plays that way. Yeah. And, and you can go through the surface level and enjoy it. But as soon as you start to analyze everything you see, especially from the ending going backwards and like in just the new context you get, you put, you begin to realize, man, it just, like I said, it really messes with your mind and it has brushstrokes of great meaning. So I am going to say I gave it five out of five stars because we can't do half stars. I'd probably give it four out of five, 4.5 out of five, but great movie. Go see it. If you're a horror fan, appeal fan, or even if you're just like a high cinema fan, like, this is a film school nerds film also with all the visual references, Easter eggs, and just kind of larger things it, it kind of implies. So check out Us. It is a great follow-up, and Jordan Peele is still doing his thing. And that's my rave for today. Uh, well, uh, so going polar opposite of that, <laughs> uh, my rave today is uh, Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Uh, You've been waiting a long time I've to get been, this I've one been in. to talk about. It. Uh, it actually, it's actually the perfect time because uh, this weekend is kind of they're taking a week break essentially for the Kids Choice Awards. Uh, but this is the first season under Hasbro. The first three episodes are out. They've got a really great response from the community so far. Mm-hmm. The cast seems to be just jazzed about what they're doing. Uh, and this show, it, it's just fun. Every like, it's it's the one of the things I've seen on Twitter about this show is like a lot of people saying like 
this is a throwback to how I was when I was a kid in Saturday mornings, and I'm waking up early because they move the time, so it's now it's like 7 a.m. So oh, they're waking yeah, up so at 7 a.m., yeah. and they're like watching Power Rangers. Like People are being late for work, right? It's those weird things, and, and there's, such a, uh, there's such a fun earnestness to this franchise. Do these people know franchise. about DVR? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. No, uh, no. Also, this show, one of, one of the biggest, honestly, uh, drawbacks is that there's not as many ways to watch it after it airs, or if you mm. have a DVR. So it's kind of hard. It's like it's not on any of the streaming networks. Oh, you know, after it airs, analog. it's not on Amazon Prime after like it, it's really that's one of the things that needs to work on. But uh, the second episode especially introduced the Beast Bots, which is essentially they each have an animal sidekick that is like an animal slash robot. So one has a gorilla who is the best one, and his name is Smash, and he's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, another one is named Jax, who is a little jackrabbit with the voice of a New Jersey-like deli uh, owner. <laughs> it's a yes. very weird mix. And then you got Cruz. I usually give everything. My, my, my little – I can't hate on that because my daughter's favorite, Lovey, is a small rabbit that – I gave the voice of a New York construction worker. That's Jax. Yeah. He's a little that. jackrabbit robot running around, and he's got this, like, New Jersey yeah. accent. It's hilarious. just, like, trying to – she makes me voices, so I'm just running around like, hiya, kid, how you doing? That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Uh, then they would probably like Barry. You should give oh, him there you go. Uh, and then Cruz, who, like, turns into a motorcycle. So there's some really cool stuff here. Mm. And so if you've been on the fence with, like, diving into a new Power Ranger series, or if you have, you know, children who kind of like, should I give this a chance? Put them in front of the TV. See what they, they say. It's, it's really fun. So that's my rave. Uh, my rave today, again, going back to Japan. Surprise, surprise. Uh, not only did information from the set of Godzilla King of Monsters come out this week, uh, some of the Detective Pikachu details came out. Um, just to kind of keep it short and sweet, I mean, they kind of confirmed or soft confirmed the number of Pokemon we would see. There's going to be 60, not counting the hundreds of Easter eggs I'm sure we're going to get. I'm just raving because of the hope I will see. Vaporeon. <laughs> I know we've seen Flareon, but I really need to see Vaporeon. That is my uh, other child. I have my Godzilla children and I have <laughs> my have Pokemon so children. children. <laughs> I have lots of children. Uh, anyways, the other thing that I wanted to say is um, one thing that the producers really stressed is that they want to get this film right, Detective Pikachu, get it done because it is such um, kind of an anomaly within the Pokemon franchise in terms of story. Uh, but they really think it could kind of kick off a cinematic universe, um, pulling from anime films, um, pulling from gaming references. So if that happens, I'd be curious to see how Marvel would respond, since it's kind of when you think cinematic universes, you really do think of, obviously, the MCU. So it'd be interesting to see what um, Pokemon could do to threaten that a little bit. And obviously, if it does well, then anime, go off. A new shared universe has oh, emerged. Yeah. I just to need to see it. King of the Monsters versus Detective Pikachu. <gasps> Those Godzilla are so, such is, night and day things. Oh Godzilla, God. just imagine Godzilla coming down your town, Pikachu on his shoulder, solving crimes. <laughs> I want to see that Tell me that does not sound appealing. Can Andrew, we sub Pikachu out for Squirtle? No, you can't. Why? He can be like one of the... It sounds like the members. Ready Player One of anime. Squirtles. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I liked Ready Player One, though. Oh, we had man. Mecha Godzilla and Ready Player One. Yeah, my and other Gundam. And Gundam. But all right. So look forward. Uh, the Detective Pikachu stuff will go on the site eventually, I assume. Yeah, we're, we're just kind of covering it bits and pieces right now. We have some coverage up that myself and our res resident poker journalist, uh, Christian Hoffer, have been getting out. So All right. So be on the lookout for that. We got stuff. So. Again, anime fans, we got new Godzilla details, new Detective Pikachu details. Make sure to check that all out. That's going to do it for us today here at Comic Book Nation. 
Just a quick reminder, if you want to reach us or subscribe, and I suggest you subscribe and join our growing fandom who's riding with us, you can do so at Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find new episodes and subscriptions to our RSS feed every Wednesday and Friday when we post them on comicbook.com. If you want to talk about anything today, and there's a lot to talk about, you can hit us up at the hashtag ComicBookNation on Twitter. And if you want to get at us individually, you can find us all on Twitter. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. That's K-O-F-I Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Mueller CB. And you can find me at Megan Peters CB. All right, that's going to do it. If you guys like the show, please go online to one of uh, our sites where you can subscribe and leave us a kind review. We are looking. We are reading over them. And we are already mailing out T-shirts to some satisfied fans. I got some messages even today uh, about one fan, White Mamba. Shout out. Yeah, Mm. got a shirt coming to him. And we read some on the last podcast, and we'll have some other shirts coming. And if you want a comic book t-shirt, just leave us a great review, and we will see it, and we will eventually get to it, read it on air, and send you some swag. This is Comic Book Nation. I'm Kofi Outlaw. Hope to see you on the next episode. Take care. Deuces.